here. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Wrestling Court. We are back here as AEW is having their long 10-hour pay-per-view tomorrow night. So we're here to give you predictions, talk about the Wrestling Observer Newsletter Awards, and everything that's going on in the world of either wrestling or pop culture. Back here as the host, Julian Cannon, here with my good friend, Rob. Tell the world how you're doing. I'm good, yeah. I'll tell you, we were joking yesterday when we were texting each other. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm officially against any wrestling show that decides they want to do Sundays. I so loved all the Saturday shows that I'm like, I think I I don't want to do Sundays no more. <laughs> but I guess you get what they could. I guess you get the deal what you get that you have to get what you can get. I get it. But like uh, I I remember when all we ever had was Sundays. For how many decades, right? With WWE, ECW, and WCW, you know, TNA, in TNA, TNA's pay per views were always Sundays as well. So it wasn't like, uh, well, they're real, but not when they had their weekly show. I'm talking about like when yeah, they the, started, the, they started yeah, doing yeah. monthly pay per views, yeah, not the yeah, yeah, weekly stuff they used to do in the early that, 2000s. That was on I, Wednesdays, yeah, it was weird, shit. but like the regular pay per views, and it's like everyone was a Sunday, so it was just like, oh, that's a standard practice, it's a Sunday thing. And then when AEW is like, yeah, we're gonna do Saturday, I'm like, oh, that's nice. They're like, oh, wow, I don't have to go to work tomorrow, that's nice. And like, how you joke, like 10 hour pay per view, I'm thinking, like, oh, yeah, I got work on Monday, fuck. It's like, <laughs> oh my god, dude, what is, what's been going on with this fucking show lately? It seems like it's been booked like someone who has ADHD. I think the problem is, is like, uh, I watch it, you know. Sorry, I, I there's stop- no. Sorry, I was gonna add. There's no consistency to anything on this fucking show, man. It's prime example was last Wednesday. I'll tell you right now. End the story for me is that after a certain point, there has been a lot of. There was they had a consistent thing, but I think what happened was when they allowed William Regal to leave because he asked for permission to leave because he wanted to go back with his son. They had booked a very long storyline and they were setting up a lot that fucked. So much storyline. You saw what you saw where the storyline was going. It was supposed to be Brian versus Mox. They were setting up the whole thing because of Regal. There was a whole buildup. It wasn't supposed to be Brian with uh, uh, with uh, MJF yet. It was supposed to be Brian and, and Mox building up on the betrayal. Yeah, it was a buildup, but they got fucked because you know they didn't want to disrespect Regal. That he wanted to leave, they let him leave. Most companies were like, "Nah, dude, you're on the contract, or oh, you can't do this." But he asked politely, and they said, "Sure." That fucked up months of storyline. Oh, so no, you have to rewrite me, that. Let me also add to this: um, Keith Lee coming back, no acknowledgement whatsoever with that attack with um, Swerve Strickland. What the hell is that? Honestly, I'm 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 going to tell you the truth. I'm I, I'm, I'm, pr- I'm probably I'm I know so that you're glad. glad. I know you're oh, glad, but still stick to the story. story. No, it's cool. I, I it's cool. Like you want to finish off a story, dude. I'm sorry. I mean, Strickland in the ring is really like he's really a good wrestler. He has a unique style. I like him, but man, he's a shit storyteller. He thinks he's really good. Ah, uh, he's not. He's not a good storyteller. He's okay. But it, it, he's better as a performer than he has a story. He's okay. I, I'm not gonna say he's a horrible storyteller, but I did not care. The they they ended their agreement. They got destroyed. He left. I get it. They should have had a, a blow off match. But the problem is, you don't want to destroy Keith Lee's 
not you know thing and then so either it would not have benefited either wrestler for a win to storyline end sometimes it's best to walk the fuck away from a storyline which and honestly which mjf should have done for the last few weeks what what the hell is this first he's on a first so the story is he's at a car going home with his girlfriend is suddenly crashed <laughs> now now this whole story about him and his ex fiance like who cares about any of this who cares well, it's building up a character that MJF. We know that MJF is a monster. Hold on, Rob. What character? The, the one of the worst things that they've done was put him in the same exact format. Go through the hoops just to get to him. We've seen it done five times already. But that's who he is. Why would he change himself? That's Not he, I, Tony Khan. No, I'm talking about I'm talking about MJF's character. The gauntlets. This is what MJF always does. MJF will never let you get to him. That's his gimmick. I yes, hate but the wrestler it's, it's been, who's it's done been it. done five times already. That's who he is. That's does that does that mean it needs is. that means it needs to stay with everyone needs to feud with? No, I'm sorry. That's not captivating captivating TV. For me, it's different. I do not like when a wrestler who's one way decides to be a different way. It's like well, what, where's the consistency with that? That was always the way before. Like, you had a wrestler who was, let's say, um, let's say a character was a sniveling, scary, like just generic character, right? Generic villain who is a sniveling, sneaky, undercrossing character he didn't want to fight. For example, Carmella. Carmella's gimmick was that she always ran away from fights and capitalized. Now she was dominating against Asuka. Where the fuck did that come from, right? I question that that, too, man. But the difference is like, you see how that change of a character is abrupt and weird? Like, if MGF decided to become like the villain who's going to fight and be a tough guy, it's like, where the fuck did that come from from this guy? (laughs) I'm not saying, I'm not saying for him to be a tough guy. I'm saying add something else other than the same format for the last four years. You know what? But also, he's still young and finding what he wants. He has some things that worked really well. Eventually, he will have to evolve. And I think what's happening is this this match with Brian Danielson is going to change how he becomes himself. You're going to see the elevation after his win over Brian Danielson. That's how I feel. Oh, sorry, I did give a spoiler for the main event. <laughs> did, did I give my prediction away already? Uh, <laughs> no, that, but I feel like after this match, you're going to see a difference of his character. He's a slow burn kind of a turning character. And I and the way he was with, with like, actually, every time he's done stuff, even when he did it with Cody, it is different from the way he did it with Jericho. And it is different than with he did it with CM Punk. They are differences. It's it's nuanced and slight because they stay within MJF's gimmick, but it is different. Even this time around, it, he didn't have a gang of guys. He had a hire a gang of basically assassins to do his bidding because he doesn't have the like the pinnacle. He doesn't have a group to do his bidding. He literally had to pay people off. So it is a different. <laughs> hey, Rob, I don't see how that's a different. Whether if it's his gang or not, the format is the same. It's what it is. This MGF handles this stuff. That's I don't. The you know, Darth Vader. I'm going to use a lightsaber and choke you. All of a sudden, oh no, I'm not going to do that. No, that's what Darth Vader does. Like you don't change who you are. Like you know, it's just here's, what you are. Here's another thing that's annoying me. The constant amount of blading I am seeing on camera is fucking annoying. Mm, yeah, I am not a fan of that either. I will agree. I also it's let's be it's just John Moxley. It's fucking not just John Moxley. Anyone. It's literally on camera view. Yeah, no, I'm uh, not a fan of bleeding. I'm also not a big fan of the bleeding to begin with. Uh, the blood is unnecessary. Mox, it just bleeds more blood than he should. I, I he's, I, I don't like it's it. Un, it's unnecessary, I, man. I, I, it's, I agree with it. it's unnecessary. Uh, but 
especially when it's like okay let me tell you like i'll explain it i feel blood is necessary when it it, it leads to a major point if you're bleeding every week jesus christ you're just fucking rick flair or you're just uh dusty Rhodes, or you're just abdullah the butcher now and it's like all right, buddy. That guy sneezes and he's fucking bleeding. That's like, let me like, let me tell you the difference between those three guys and Boxley. When Flair and um, Dusty and Abdullah was doing it, there was not TV every single week for people to see that. It was in the house shows. Boxley is doing it every week on TV. It just becomes nothing now. Right. That's the other problem is it's, it's become like even a joke. It's like, oh, John, and John Mox is bleeding, and people are like, "Oh yeah, that's okay." Oh, my God. oh yeah, guy, that's cool. yeah. <laughs> oh like, yeah, that's cool. It's time for me to time for me to go to the concessions. <laughs> it's like, all right, yeah, the water's wet, sky's blue. Got it. Moxie's bleeding. That's kind of like the given. Uh, I, I, <laughs> it's what it is. The problem is, I feel like you know he's got his freedoms and he has his character he likes to do. My thing is that uh, at the end of the day make that less uh, doesn't need to be all the time it does not need to be all the time you know uh not every week mocks you don't need to be fucking bleeding every fucking week and it's a really all the wrestlers do it once in a while too and i need the bleeding whatever but i feel that mocks is just it's it's all the time with mocks mm. that it literally means nothing when he's bleeding by the way before we get to these predictions what do you think is worse Hulk Hogan lying through his teeth about Starcade 1997 again, but this time wearing a John <laughs> Tweet 16 shirt, or the Undertaker wearing his damn Blue Lives Matter shirt on during his documentary. What what do you think is worse? Wait, wait, what? Uh, Hogan's wearing a John 316, or really? Um, um yeah. It, on a, oh, I'm not sure if you um they caught up, but the, the WWE's uh, biographies for, on A and E returned last week. I don't have A&E, so I don't watch the bag. Oh, wait, is it on Peacock? Uh, it's not on Peacock yet, but it will be soon. Okay, good. Then I don't, I didn't see it. Uh, yeah, one of any. the one of the episodes is the NWO, and Hogan was lying through his fucking teeth once again about the finish of the Starcade match against Sting. But this time he wore a John 316 shirt while doing it. I mean, I guess his other clothes were in the laundry. Uh, <laughs> but my thing is, like, when it's Hogan... I, I find it less offensive when Hogan lies. I'm offended when Hogan tells the truth because I feel like it's so against his character to tell the truth. I mean, it goes so against his character to tell, to tell the truth that I'm so used to him lying or making shit up so often that I feel that it doesn't matter what he's wearing. With Undertaker, it doesn't offend me anymore because I we've learned who he is. And I'm fine. I've learned that as we get as the years are going by, I have to just give up on lots of things or I won't be able to enjoy anything anymore. Right. I I, I can't. I don't watch these interviews anymore. I don't watch any of these special. Also, I refuse to watch anything A&E puts out where it's official WWE's bullshit because I feel like the fucking the narrative of truth is no longer. A thing, and exactly. I, I honestly, I'm however, <clears throat> however, I um, it was in the first place. But. <laughs> however, um, at the end of that, before we get, jump back to the Hogan and um, mm-hmm. Undertaker thing, the, at the end of that episode, Eric Bischoff told a, a actually good story. Um, he was at a comic con in twenty, I believe, eighteen or nineteen, and mm-hmm. a fan, you know, the Q and A portion. So the fan, um, before she asked her question, she told Eric Bischoff that. Um, the best memories she had with her dad was when they watched um, WCW Nitro. And um, a few years later, he passed away. And for some, I don't know how this happened, but she got in contact with Eric Bischoff's wife. 
through email and asked her if he could um give her away for her wedding. Oh wow. He actually did. There was photos there. Microsoft had the NWO hat on. <clears throat> it was it was a good story. That was probably the best story I've heard on the entire episode. Well, you know, I think it feels like one of those days you have to question who she really was and who her dad really was. I find it odd that a random person can randomly find a random email of a random important person that she needs to randomly get in contact with to make this happen. And we're just hearing about it. I'm not saying it didn't happen. My curiosity, I want to know who she really was. Who, like, how can I say this without sounding like a real asshole? Okay, it's impossible. She's probably got money. I, She's not some fucking girl getting married in City fucking Hall. You know how many people's fucking families probably reached out and he didn't do it? Why this random girl? Why? Because it's good for the show. They probably told him to do it. it you know what I'm saying? Like, no matter how a good feel the story is, and it's good. I'm glad she that made her important. Why was she the one? Why was this not like a charity where they go to the hospitals or do, you know what I'm saying? It's just a random wedding. It seems so, it's a feel good stories. I love feel good stories, but the feel good stories is sometimes you don't want to know the backstory. Cause I want to know really how did, don't tell me you randomly got his wife's email. How the fuck did you get? Oh that? no, no, not randomly. She tracked her down. Yeah, 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 yeah. And didn't Ormacky think this was fucking weird? You see what I'm saying? There's lots of this is the this is modern days, man. This is fucking weird. That's weird. That should happen. You'd be questioning, like, whoa, 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 whoa. How the fuck did you do that? That's fucking weird. Hmm. I don't think I don't. That's less weird than these motherfuckers who have these fake ass games, and you see like celebrities endorsing the games. We could tell they hired them to say it on cameo. Oh boy, <laughs> I, 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 I did a story about that on Digi Day. It's coming up in the next few weeks, man. AKA de influencing. <laughs> it's Holy so shit, that's, a, that's annoying. Well, going back to Hogan Undertaker, which yes. do you, objectively, what do you think is worse? You know what? It... <laughs> It's the same side of the coin, right? It's, it's, it's. Hogan would wear anything if it gets him over. Is he now born again again? I guess is he. Is that what it is? Is he? Is he religious again? Is that is religious again? Was he ever religious? Is he? Yeah, he now... was. He, he was religious. For when? When? When the fuck was he religious? Like, where the fuck was he religious? When going, going back to the time when Andre the Giant tore his damn shirt off with his cross on. Oh, bullshit. He wore the cross because he knew in the middle of America would love that shit. It was good storytelling. <laughs> number one, number two, like Sting became religious because he was on benders. He was drinking bad and he found religion and got him clean and sober. Okay, that makes sense. When the fuck did Hogan ever get clean for nothing? Fuck out of here. After the 16th back surgery, fuck out of here. Anyway, whatever. He's wearing a John 3. He probably thinks it's a he probably thinks it's a stone cold shirt. <laughs> but uh Undertaker, at the other hand, is that you know what? In his documentary, his 14,000 jerk-off special that they had from that went on for six days. Uh, you saw his the flags planted in front of his house. We yep. saw it then. So I'm not shocked by that. That's not offensive to me now because we knew who he is and we know what he represents. He's a he's from Texas and that's what they do. That's what they do. So you're not but, making a choice then? No, my choice is that it doesn't matter because <laughs> I'm not shocked by anything anymore because 
A, you know I don't like Hogan. So there's nothing Hogan can ever do that's going to make me go, man, Hogan, how could you fuck me over like that? Dude's already done that by existing. So fuck that. He's gone. Like, I hate the fact that when I have to think about all my favorite memories of Mr. T, fucking Hogan's a part of that shit. <laughs> so, uh, but with Undertaker, Undertaker is the wrestler I've always loved since the first day he debuted. My wife loved him when he was being more callous, so she knew him longer than I did because I was a WWF guy, right? So yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, my thing is that, like, it would hurt my feelings more. If it wasn't for the fact that he already established who he was in the beginning, when you come out as a biker gimmick, I'm pretty much sure that you're going to follow a certain path of what you believe in, right? You have to, as a fan, you have to be smart. When they said, oh man, Biker Taker is the closest to the real version of Undertaker that you ought to get, <laughs> I knew uh. what they, back then when they said that, I knew what they meant by that. And I knew, all right, I will wear him like on my hip. I won't put him on my sleeve. I won't put him on my back because I know for a fact that, yeah, maybe in real life we don't have the same views. And I knew that back in the day. So when the documentary came out and like he's got the flags planted, he's wearing a t-shirt. I know what you're about. He's religious. He's in pools with fucking tigers. It's like a lion. It was a lion or a tiger or the fuck it was. Whatever, bro. It's like, you know what? I'm not shocked by it because I should have known what you were. (laughs) <laughs> a long time ago it just it hurts because he's my favorite wrestler you know and I, I i will never so i've learned okay the real person means nothing the character i loved and he played that part so well right it's like loving a series with a, an actor and it's like like okay like like for example we got the flash movie coming up right i am actually <sighs> i'm not gonna lie i'm actually excited to see how this movie turns out but it's like I have to separate the fact that God damn it, that piece of shit is in the movie. They couldn't replace him. You know what I'm saying? I have to remove that and go, okay, just watch the movie as is. But it's going to be hard, right? It's going to be really hard to sit there and watch this movie knowing what a piece of garbage Ezra Miller was. Is. Yeah. At, whatever. It's just like, but I, I want to see the movie. So I got to have to take my brain and go, all right, I'm I'm sorry. I want to watch this. I put it to the side. Like, you know, I love Usual Suspects, one of my favorite movies. But Kevin Spacey, right? So it's kind of like, fuck. But it's (laughs) like, you know, when that movie came out and all, and he, not just Kevin Spacey, you got uh, Billy, uh, Alec, not uh, Billy, um, Stephen Baldwin is in it and he's fucked up in the head. And, you know, Uh, Zachary Levy. Zachary Levy, another person, like, you know, I don't have to watch the new Shazam because honestly, it another thing it, it is means, the, it means nothing now since James Gunn took over. Right, James Gunn even said that it's not a part of the world. So okay, so I, I didn't need I didn't watch Black Adam. I won't watch it because it doesn't matter now. I don't have time to watch movies that are going to pretend to connect to a universe that doesn't. We know it's not going to happen. Dude, you saw? So I don't, did I you care. see the box office for Ant Man? What about it? It made over three hundred million worldwide, right? That's a disappointment. Ant-Man movies were always low box office movies. Ant-Man 1 and Ant-Man Wasp 2 were the lowest uh, uh, box office movies. Always. They always have been. They, they've uh, never been... I, and I, I, have, I just I, think that the, the entire um, MCU fatigue is really starting to get noticed no. by a lot of people. 
I'll tell you what it really is. And I'm going to tell you what it really is. And I kind of was afraid of this. Being what? a lifelong comic book fan, you know I've read these comics since I was a kid. I know everything they're showing in these movies, I know. I knew when they started getting really into the comics that I wanted to see that these fans were not going to get involved. Okay, I saw Ant-Man in Quantumania, Quantumania uh, while my daughter was on vacation, right? Uh, winter recess. And we went to the movie theater and uh, there was about 15 teenagers like behind us. They took up the whole row. They were talking okay. through it. They were yapping. And eventually they walked out. My problem is, is we're getting to movies and comic book characters that are going to be, it, it's, it's, there's three, there's three phases of this world of these, the, the Marvel universe has to deal with right now. You have the people who are in it for the long run. There's, there's mostly diehard comic book fans and like, you know, people who are like, who are just invested. They don't care. They want to stick with it. Diehards. That's just the diehard group. You're not going to lose them, but those aren't the casuals. We, it's the same thing with any popularity of anything. Right? We know this. You got the second group of people who wanted to see, who are people who go see Fast and Furious shit movies. They don't want to hear people talk. They don't need to know. They just want to see bang, action, who crazy special effects. Uh, and then you have the third group who are fatigued because, well, Iron Man was fun. What, what are they doing with this broccoli guy? What's this big head guy? I don't. I'm, this doesn't make sense. Okay, you're cool with some rich playboy making a robot suit in a fucking cave, but a giant-headed guy is way out of your league of understanding. Fuck, wait till you find out what happens in the comics legitly, okay? I read comics where there was a guy who was inside an android's body and his stomach was the head, okay? Mordok is the least... You imagine if they have a show. Dude, it, can, dude, it doesn't do it. It does not add to the fact that the way they design Modoc look fucking shit. It's a giant headed guy with little body parts. It's fucking Modoc. That's what he looks like. It's yeah, stupid. To, it's yeah, stupid but to, looking. To, it's me, stupid me and you. Hey, Rob, me and you know that. But yeah. there may be a hundred freaking people in this room that either doesn't care about the comics or may take a first look. That's at what and, I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but you gotta also getting... remember a lot of a lot of these um projects aren't built for um the hardcore people. No, but the problem is that's the problem. The more we get into this Marvel universe, there are characters and characters and characters that are so crazy, but they're integral to the comics and to the story arcs. So when they bring them in. You're going to lose people, and what that's why there is nothing wrong with the first. That Modok is a dumb, silly character created by AIM. I like the idea they took a character from the movie and made it tie in. I like that. Is it stupid looking? Yeah, it's supposed to. It's it's funny. He even knows he's stupid looking. He that's the point. But the idea is they made it at least relatively like to how it could work, and it's cool. He's in the quantum realm. He's got a big old head, and 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 Kang saved him. My thing is that I think the actor who plays Kang is fucking phenomenal. Actor, he is so good. Reason why I love him, he's got to play a million different Kangs, right? Another actor could not do what he's doing. You, every time you watch like the He Who Remains version and Kang the Conqueror we saw in this film, I felt like with two different actors. I mean, it's the same actor, obviously. He did such a good job as an actor. That I was like, wow, I believe you. Like, I'm glad they got this guy to play Kang. And I feel like wherever they go with Kang, he's going to give something else to the performance. You know, no disrespect to guys like Edris Miller, 
uh, Edris, uh, Idris Elba. Sorry, Edris what the Elba. hell was I saying? I'm thinking of Ezra Miller still. Jesus, sorry. Uh, Idris, Idris's character, he just did it because he wanted the paycheck. He didn't care about Hemdel. Hemdel's a very bland kind of character. He could have brought something special, but he really didn't. And so it was a forgettable role. Like, you know, here we have Kane the Conqueror. This, this is a meaty role. And the actor is killing it. I'm actually convinced that Creed 3 is just another version of Kane. He can't fight and kill manga. I'm joking, obviously, but uh it was but like let me Creed let me also out. add into the fact that despite the what they're doing with the story, these movies are getting way too long for no reason. I'm sorry. Well, there are Ant-Man was the shortest movie so far. It was only two hours. It was fast. I loved it. I was so glad it was fast. No, I was I mean, afraid I was going to be... Of, I mean, a, lot of, a lot of these movies are getting way too long. And the current generation up, um, Gen Z and beyond, they're not sticking for that. No, I told you, the kids left out halfway through the movie. You know, once you see an old lady, like Michelle Pfeiffer was amazing. I thought it was great they gave her something to work with. I mean, I'm glad they made Janet Van Dyne more than just, I'm an old lady mom. No, she got to be a kick-ass character that I liked. My daughter actually liked Hank Pym in this movie. I was like, all right, cool. You liked him. She's like, yeah, he was great in it. She enjoyed him. I'm like, cool. You know, um, my daughter liked the barbarian chick in the quantum i don't know i can't remember the character's name but she was in the quantum realm she was the, the barbarian fighter the freedom fighter my daughter loved that character i'm like cool she like got into i mean i think the biggest wasted character in the film overall was uh wasp uh hope was kind of just there but that's fine because eventually you know this movies are going on they have to get younger actors so having the next generation of characters you know to be younger and i feel what's going to happen after kane dynasty is kind of rebooting the system kind of like how uh the crisis on the infinite earths did yeah so i think after secret wars and the Kang, after the kane dynasty secret wars because i think that's the order uh it'll just reboot like a world and we'll have a secret timeline again and then that'll be just a new universe which will be like the young characters for the actors to go forward and then then we'll be back to normal they'll get back but this is the stuff that has to it's gonna be crazy and i'm actually loving it because this is more for me it's not gonna be for everybody and and i'm just fearful that hopefully more hope disney doesn't like pull the plug on where they're going with this world and do like what DC did and say, oh, fuck it, stop it. We'll just do it again. It's like, no, don't, no, don't. Because I don't have enough energy to do this again. Nope. You know, <laughs> I don't. I, if they reboot it again, like let's say they say, oh, fuck it, it's not working. Uh, the fans are fatigued. No, the fans are fatigued. Like you said, A, don't make the movies three hours if they don't need to be. Like you said, one. Two, uh, more shows, less movies. Honestly, The Eternals could have been a TV miniseries. It didn't have to be a movie. That's there was what, no reason for it. That's what I said. It, that movie, I said in my review, that was movie not a movie. is not a movie, and it was pretty much Marvel's version of um, Zack Snyder's Justice League. Very divisive. Well, I feel like The Eternals is a fine... It, well, my thing, once again, like you say, not one's like me. I knew what these characters were. And I remember saying, like, how are they going to do a movie with these characters? The Eternals are Characters that. that nobody even knows. Well, they, no one do no one knew who the guardians were, but the difference is the Eternals are not the guardians. You know what I'm no, saying? No, they're not. The, they they're have not. they have half the charisma as the guardians. They this should have been a, <laughs> sorry. I had to put in a wrestling term there. Right, absolutely. What they need to do is make the Eternals a mini series that was on Disney Plus, which will be this little thing because it built up just to make little things happen and occur certain things, and that's all it needed to be. And that, that would have been a fine TV series. You know, it would have been like, oh well. 
it wasn't a huge thing, but when you you force it to be a movie, uh, I that's because of the names in it. They probably had back end payouts because of uh, to get them in the movie. Like Angela Jolie probably got like ticket sale rights or whatever. And the beyond, oh, yeah, it was they, they they knew for sure they was not going to do what they did to um, Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> well, the end thing is first, like, Scarlett Johansson's little bullshit with that. What pisses me off is that. It, you, there's nothing in the clause saying that pandemic when she made the movie it was just when the pandemic was happening so when she signed the deal she was expecting a movie theater well guess what um it the pandemic happened it's nothing you could do about it so to get pissy that you know they had to release it they had remember in the contract they had so much time to release the movie but they also no one was going to the movies and you couldn't force people come on yeah i mean uh, yeah i mean i i just think for a second that that might open the floodgates for more lawsuits in the coming years you know what there's always someone's always going to sue about something because something something gives a fuck but going forward i feel like you know if they concentrate more on some tv shows uh so we don't have to run to the movies all the time it won't be as fatiguing because like you know like I said, Eternal should have just been a TV special. Like, put it on Disney Plus, and that's it. You know, personally, no disrespect, Black Widow sucked, and should, <laughs> I'm glad I watched it on Disney Plus because it was not good. Um, it was stupid because it should have happened before. It, they should have released Black Widow before the Infinity War. They should it just should have had that made and made it then, but they didn't. So she's dead. Like you go into the movie, like we talked about this. Oh, Black Widow. It's her own movie. Well, she's dead. I know how this movie ends. She's dead. Oh, but it's a prequel. Dude, this ain't Indiana Jones. I don't give a fuck about young Indy. I don't care about Black Widow not being dead. I don't care how she got the vest. Oh, she got that vest from her sister. I'm like, I don't give a fuck. The only, the only thing that was good for that movie was the post credit scene. Yeah, that was it, though. That was it. It was like so pointless. Should have happened before the movies. They should have just came out and they could have said Marvel had the first female hero before Wonder Woman came out, but they didn't do it. They waited. They were afraid. And that was their own fault. Fuck it. Uh, but but I'm just excited. I enjoyed Ant-Man. A lot of people didn't. I understand why people don't like it, but I had a blast and I was so happy when those assholes that would talk. My thing is I kept saying to myself, you're talking, they're explaining that then some kids said something stupid and I'm like, you know, in the movie, they just explained it, but you were talking. You said it was 15 years old. I'm like, you were born the year the MCU started. I was sitting there watching <laughs> these teenagers. There was like 15 or 20 of them. They were yapping so loud. They were on their phones. So this whole dialogue that was explaining the, the, the there's a purpose. With, see, later they said stuff here that is going to see how movies work. Is You say stuff in the movie with words, and then it comes to fruition later. It's foreshadowing. But when you yap through the whole fucking first half of the movie, and you're confused by shit, and then they, they, you know, they, they end up walking out. It's like, thank God. I can enjoy the fucking movie. It, it, the movie theater doesn't care. You paid your ticket, stupid nah. assholes. Did you watch so, Cocaine Bear yet? I, I'm not going to watch that, but uh, I, Billy, I, I will watch Billy it. Sorry. I, I know, well, I know it's going to. I know it's going to be seventy minutes, but I don't care. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, Billy saw it and uh, he liked it. He was interested, <laughs> but he thought it was funny. Shaq saw it. My friend Juan and Ed are going to see it tonight at the theater. <laughs> um, I my thing is that. What's so funny about this story, how I know about what really happened is because I was watching this whole thing about uh, these two kids. With, th- this isn't in the movie, uh, but in remember, that's the area where um, 
Little Rock, Arkansas, and the whole area. There was a throughout the eighties. There was these planes that would come from South America and they would drop drugs in the woods. Yeah, um, what's his What's his name was doing this? Um, Billy Jack Haynes. Right, he was one of them. Yeah, he, one had, of them. he and uh, what happened was the uh, the, the police the... chief of the town would go get the drugs and they would sell the drugs and they would pick up in the woods. So what happens? How I know about this story is that it was uh, these two kids were murdered. So a train was coming. And this train was coming on the track, and they saw kids and a honk and horn, and it slowed the train up. And the train kind of hit the kids. They said they were sleeping on the tracks. No, they were oh, no, murdered. no, no. They were they were killed. Billy Jack Haynes they were told, told this story. Um, at the yeah. same time when the kids was there, the drug drop got intercepted by them, which they thought which the kids was they were the cops, the police chief, and the then they they were apart. They were looking for the drugs. And Billy Jackson said all he heard was a gunshot, and one of the yep. guys was saying, "Go get them." And then next yeah. thing you know, they freaking took off and they two died. kids. The kids went to go do something just to be kids, and they got in the wrong place at the wrong time. And what's so special about this? This is the whole thing about Bill Clinton being a druggie. Is that this was under Bill Clinton's administration? Oh, you mean Ronald Reagan? No, 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 no. Bill Clinton was Little Rock. This is Arkansas. He was the governor or the. Uh, oh, right, right. Before he became president. Okay. Yeah, before he was not in the 90s. This is the 80s. This happened in the 80s. Yeah, so Bill, the 80s. Bill, Clinton, Bill Clinton was a, I don't know what the regional guy. And they're 100% sure that he was a part of all this. 100% that he got all this money. And meanwhile, like, how'd you get all this money? How'd you make all this money? Because he was a part of it. They were all selling the drugs and they got, they killed these fucking kids. And when they went to investigate, there was other kids in the park that night who saw those two kids and they saw them get shot and they were they, they wouldn't talk for years because they were afraid that they were going to get killed because if they know the cops in the town of fucking getting the drugs and killing two kids you as a kid can't say shit so they lied and would lie to hit because they were yeah. afraid so as they got older only recently did they admit to it because they said that we didn't want to get killed by the cops who were buying selling the drugs so they had mentioned a little offshoot about the story was that a bear died from eating the cocaine. <laughs> so I was like, oh, shit. So I love how the and fact Billy, that and, and Billy Jack Haynes um, did not kill the kids. He just moved the no, bodies no. to the track. He moved the bodies that he was told to do it or they would have killed him, too. It was allegedly. Like, allegedly. 100 percent. He knew exactly how the bodies laid out. He knew what they were. So, yes, obviously this happened. But I love how that's not the story that no one wanted to tell. So they want to make a fictional story about a crazy cocaine bear. So they'll tell them the true story of how these two kids were murdered potentially by the cops and Bill Clinton. But we're going to ignore that part and just do like cocaine bear. It's like, all right. So we're going to make a fiction. We're going to say, what if the bear didn't die? It's like, oh, so that's the story we're telling. Okay. And what's even great. This is Ray Liotta's last movie. Great job. Dude, the, the cocaine bears Twitter account is fucking hilarious, man. It has to be. Well, is Elizabeth Banks. Elizabeth Banks is a, she's the director and, and co-creator of the movie and everything. So. Let's get to the AEW Revolution predictions. This pay-per-view is taking place tomorrow night. And nine matches on this card. Oh, boy. They need, first of all, they need to time this perfectly because they already know going in that there's going to be a 60-minute Ironman match towards the end. That means everybody on the previous cards better not do either the same or the similar shit as the one on the main event. And they got to make sure those other matches are shorter because... When you watch the Royal Rumble, now that's two Royal Rumble matches, you only have two or three matches in between. Now we have nine. Yeah. And none of these matches should go over 15 to 20 minutes. 
Now, no, there's none of these matches are the pre-show at all, or are these are all um, the main only, show. Only one shows the pre-show. Okay, okay. So I said a, only so one shows the pre-show. One match. One is match. The pre-show. Okay, so the other eight are on the card. One's the pre-show. What's the pre-show one? I already know. Let's see here. We got Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Brothers going against uh, Ari Diwali <clears throat> and the Varsity Athletes. Well, oh yeah, like we don't expect the Lucha Brothers and Mark Briscoe not to just win this match. Like, there's no, there's no even talk. Like, it's oh, oh my god, Ari Diwali has a good chance of winning this. I'm like, no, you, no, you don't. <laughs> I don't That's care if Excalibur t- talks at one point five speed. They, they they have no chance. Oh, that's great. I, I, I that's good. I, I you know what? That's a good opener. The Lucha Brothers are awesome, and I love them. There, they're so over the card. Mark Briscoe is beloved, and so like you know, and those are the good guys from the fight. And there's obviously a reason for it because it goes in for Mark Briscoe having the match with um Josh. Uh, what's his name? Josh. Josh uh, Woods. Josh Woods. Thanks. So we have Christian Cage going against Jungle Boy Jack Perry in a final burial match. This was originally going to be a no holds barred. And if that would have happened, I would have thought, are these fucking people stupid booking this, knowing that they have a quote unquote Texas death match later in the night? Right. That's why they yeah. changed the match. Yeah. So good, good, good reason to change it. Uh, I think Jungle Boy's winning this. I also okay. think this will probably be Christian's last match in AEW. Well, I think the thing is, it sucks for Christian is that like he got injured. Uh, this match was sh- should have once again this poor match got pushed off because it should have happened sooner, but he got injured and, and it happens. Uh, curiosity is Luchasaurus is injured, so I don't know if he's even healed up yet. Oh, oh uh, Luchasaurus, it's more of a legal thing because of the mask. No, the legal the mask has nothing to do with that, was just for the toys and games and shit. It had nothing to do with him wearing it in the ring. Uh, no, that's uh, can- that's why he hasn't appeared on AEW along with the fact that he's injured. Well, I think it was more about his injury. I mean, the lawsuits was something about for the toys. I don't think it has anything to do because there was no, not the toys, because uh, they were selling replica masks. Yeah, the re- that's what I just said. The replica yeah, yeah, masks. yeah. They're not, it's not about the toys. It's not about, the, no, I don't think he, he's, when you sign a deal, it's kind of like one of those weird things. Like, you designed this mask for this wrestler. And it's like, well, okay, it's mine. It's like, like that personal suit about the tattoo on, on Randy Orton, not to be put on the toys. It's kind of like, well, I could see like Pepsi. Oh, it, wasn't, being like, it wasn't just the toys. It was the video games too. You know, I know what they're saying, but it's like, it's, it's, I, and I have all respect for artists. You know, my wife's an artist. She used to work for tattoo artists, but you know, it's weird. My wife designed a special skull, right? That was her design. It's slightly different, has some unique styles and the tattoo artist paid her once. It's his now. And he put it on hundreds of people's bodies. Like, should my wife sue who? Right, you know what I'm saying? Like, where where's it fall? Like, you know, where's the where it's such a weird thing when it comes to tattoos. And I feel when you design a mask for a wrestler, what did you sign? What's the deals you signed? I seriously doubt that the person who designed the mask when he gave it for Luchasaurus signed any kind of deal that he can't reproduce it. You designed it for this wrestler. It's his identity. So that is going to be a legal lawsuit they have to deal with. But I know he is injured. So I was hoping that he would be back on the show. 
to kind of tie it off the loose ends and finish it. But if Christian and, and Jungle Boy finish off the match, finally finish the feud, I don't think Christian's done. He'll go into something else because he's, you know, the other thing is being injured for several months. He still has more time on his contract. And I don't think his contract's even up yet. I don't know what the rules are with that yet. So I feel that he would be done with the Jungle Boy feud. He will go on to something else. Christian's still amazing. So absolutely. Oh, winner, Jungle Boy. I agree with you. We have Chris Jericho versus Ricky Starks. And they said that at first, they said everyone is banned from ringside. And now it's the Jericho Appreciation Society banned from ringside. So this will go either way. Um, I hope this feud ends for good after this. This should have ended. It should have ended the first time they went against each other. It's, you know, I I have no problem with giving something Jericho to do. Ricky Starks, I think they're going to work great together. They're going to have a good match. Uh, Definitely, this needs to be the. It's gonna be this pay per view is gonna be like the blow off for a few matches. Jungle Boy and uh, Christian is gonna be end here finally, and Jericho and Stark should end here as well. With Starks obviously winning, uh, I had the hopes that I thought the storyline was gonna be that like Jericho was gonna go to serious losses, but you know what? Has he won an individual match yet? No, they, he's never won a match on his own, Jericho, since he lost to an Action Andrade, right? He's everything was interference. Well he, a, well, he had a bullshit match on Wednesday. Wait, Wednesday? He it was it a singles match? No, it didn't. It had yes. no. Yes, it was a singles but, match. But it wasn't like a fuckery that caused it. It wasn't like he won it on his own. No, he did win it on his own. What? Who did he fight? A no name. Remember. That's who he fought, Rob. Oh, it was unknown. <laughs> some like some jobber. Oh, it was a, it job was a job. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, that's fine. Jobbers can lose. Um. But it has to end, and Ricky Stark has to win. I agree. Uh, Ricky Starks has to win this in the future then. Yeah, um, Jericho has no business winning this at all. I'm sorry. He doesn't. Uh, we go to the Elite versus the House of Black for the AEW World Trials Championship. Um, first, of, first of all, they never explained why they was coming out on Wednesday. No. Goes back to my point about the um, ridiculous inconsistencies on that show last week. Well, I hope this sets up a series of matches. I, I mean, obviously. Oh, please, no. <laughs> oh, I'm fine with that. No. Give the House um, of Black something to do. Yeah. Um, get, how about give them the titles? Because they've done nothing with them. Okay. They get the titles, but get still have a series of matches. I have no, no problem with they that. Don't keep, need them, that. keep these two people, these two groups into a feud so it doesn't. Because there's no place to put either one of these groups anywhere else right now. So I feel having a series of matches with these groups, having a storyline that goes with these guys for a bit is perfectly fine. Every wrestling show does that. Let them have their thing and then have all the wrestlers do other stuff. Because the problem is, where do we slot in these guys anywhere else? We don't. So it's fine. Let them have their thing for a bit. It's fine. Uh, And I'm good with that. So uh, if they win, if the House of Black wins, that'd be cool. Uh, do I think they will win? I'm going to say no. I'm going to go with the elite on this one, but leading them to them having a rematch where eventually the House of Black will get the titles. Yeah, right. Like you said, it's. I think it's too out of nowhere. To, it, it needs to start something. So I feel like it's going to lead to the House of Black eventually winning the titles, but not this, not tomorrow. Don't do, don't give cocaine Tony Khan any ideas for a best of seven with these two. Please don't. <laughs> Well, I there's nothing wrong with these guys fighting each other. They, they're all really good wrestlers, so I have no problem watching them. I just think the House of Black actually needs it. I'm sorry, they do. 
Oh, absolutely. I think it would be great for them to have a title, but I feel coming out of nowhere, it's there's no you need a build up, right? So you I like that they came out, fuck you, we're gonna fight you. And like, all right, where the fuck did you guys come from? Like you said, wow. And I love the he cut a promo, he put the titles down, goes, These are yours. And I'll see you Sunday. Cool. Fucking let's go, bro. Um, I wanna see that. So uh um, hopefully just later on, yeah. This match better not go beyond um 20 minutes, knowing how much fucking political pull the elite has. This match should not go beyond that time. No, I mean there's gonna be a lot happening in this match just between all the parties involved that I feel that uh it'll be it will be about like I said 20 minutes. Yeah, I think 20 minutes it'll be a good good feel for that. We have John Moxie versus Adam Page in a Texas death match. Uh, this one I don't actually care for. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you know, the problem is is that I I, I think Moxie is really we, good. We just, I, we just I, seen I, Moxley in this type of match two weeks ago. And we just seen it again a month ago. Well, my thing is at the end of the day, it's like, all right, so this needs to be their, oh, this should be their blow off match, right? So we'll have three matches that f- finish. My thing is that I. You know, I keep saying this. We've been talking about this for a long time. I don't hate Adam Page, but it seems to be when it comes to a finale for Adam Page, it just seems like it doesn't fit with him. You know what I mean? Like yes, every time he's the guy, he, you know, that, you know, that famous line, always a bridesmaid and never a bride. It's, I feel like that's Adam Page's existence. He's always perpetually in storylines that could be so good, but then when he's supposed to get the, he's supposed to be the bride, no one fucking cares. I don't care. I'm watching you go through these things. I'm like, I'm with you. And then it's like, I'm not with you. I don't know how he's able to be so good and then like, with lazy storytelling and booking. Well, it's not even lazy story, but it's just, I feel like for him, it's just like the end point doesn't matter with him. He's in, he's the journey, but he's not the finale. And that's a bad for a, a baby face or yeah. to be not the, like, okay, like, remember Daniel Bryan's big thing when he finally won the title? All those months that we hated the booking because the booking did suck. And then finally he got the title, like, yes, Jesus Christ, you made us wait seven then, months for this shit. Then they put him in a feud against Kane. Oh, yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> but but then know, he that got wasn't, concussed. But that wasn't his fault. So at, at the end of the day, it's like like Daniel Bryan had the journey and the finish. Yeah. Page has a journey, but the finish is just I don't care about the finish. So I want this to end, and I'm assuming Page is going to win. But it needs to end because he, I feel like, is just, he's really good in the ring. He's gotten much better on the mic, but he's not fantastic on the mic. He's He's got good storytelling. He told some good stories. It's just that, all right, bitch, I don't care. Make me care about you more. How can you do that? You know, when you're handed that microphone and you got to speak and you go passionate and yeehaws and whatever the fucking cowboy shit is, get me to the get me to believe it you at the end. And you're you're not there. I just this is just a nice feud to get over with. Cool. I hope you get over. But uh, page and the story page. 
going with Page too. I I, I don't care for this because all it's yeah, gonna yeah. be is Moxley bleed, Moxley bleed, clothesline, clothesline. This is awesome. This is awesome. Trash can weapons, whatever. That's a, cool. that's exactly what it's gonna be. I'm cool with that. It's a t- Texas I, death match. Let it happen. But like you said, that every fucking week. <laughs> Samoa Joe versus Wardlow for the AEW TNT Championship. Okay, see, this is one of those matches that I'm uh, curious about because it's like I I love we all love Joe. I love fucking Joe. Joe is great, uh, and I think Wardlow is really good. He's really over with the crowd. He's he could have lost a lot. He did lose some steam because of the whole bullshit with MJF. Yeah. Once again, that and wasn't taking even... a and taking a belt off him too soon. Well, you know what? Problem is, it, it was uh the momentum got dicked because of MJF's bullshit, and and that fucked him because people at the end were like, "Yeah, well, where you go from here?" It was supposed to be a highlight, and it was just more of like, ah. So I feel by doing that, taking it off him, he needed. He needs to have a fire, right? He's a passionate, fiery, big dude, right? Uh, he, You need to ignite that fire. So him losing that title to Joe was one of those things like, yeah, motherfucker, you have to work harder. Now is his chance. I think he will win it. Will he be a transitional for Hobbs? I feel so. I just, I feel that. Or Hobbs, I don't know how the, the face of the revolution works. What if... What if Joe loses, right? And Wardlow wins, but he's so beat up. They had this big beat up match, and Hobbs comes in and takes it from him. So he lo- not only does not he win it, he loses it. That, that would, would be a pretty that would be cool good. That would require for Tony Khan to actually book it. <laughs> right. That's why I think they did this. I feel that's why they put that. And you saw how over Hobbs was with the crowd. They fucking loved him. And I felt like, you know, this is the time. I think this would be a good way to get Hobbs over. You know, I got no problem with the referees um, make sure he's safe. But whoever was the director for that should have got fucking fired. <laughs> well, my thing is that, like, you know, I love Bryce Rims where, like, people were talking shit about it. I like he's like, so you want my coworker? You want me to let my coworker get hurt? Okay. I'll let him fucking and, 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 I'm, and, and I'm over here like, um, how many of your coworkers did get hurt? <laughs> Well, no, the point is that in that person where they can protect them, this, you know, that ladder was fucked up and he had to get up there. So, yeah, you have to hold the ladder. Every, you know, every couple, you have to hold the ladder. No, that, the, again, that's totally fine. It's yeah. just director's fault. They should have just um, panned the camera up instead of having that shit on plain view. Well, the problem is they need a lot of referees to hold that ladder. because too, you know, too bad. That dude is, you know, when he fucking shoulder tackled that ladder, that ladder was like, ow. <laughs> Fuck that ladder up. <laughs> but uh, so, it, it, it was a good visual of him on the ladder. It looked great. He looked good. Uh, we know they're going to hold the ladder. You have to fucking hold the ladder. You everyone questions that. Bam. I remember when people used to get pissy, like when we used to watch uh, when when was the Dudley Boys and Christian and Cage and uh, the Hardys. They were doing the last shit, and you'd see all the referees like holding the ladder. And then I remember back in the day, someone said to me, "I remember." I, it's so funny when I read that yesterday. I remember someone said to me, "You saw that stupid shit? They held the fucking ladder." I'm like, "Yeah, they have to hold the ladder." Well, that's stupid. I'm like, do you know what happens if you don't hold the fucking ladder? <laughs> when I climb the ladder, you better fucking hold the ladder for me while I'm changing the light bulb. So 
You know, it would have it would have been cool if they would have um, just instead called an audible right there for um, Will Hobbs to say, well, not say to yell at the referees to um, hold, hold the that ladder. fucking ladder. That would be pretty cool. That, uh, that would have been at least believable. <laughs> you know what? But Hobbs is still young, so like I think a veteran would have done like a veteran heel, but like you hold the fucking ladder, and they're like, oh shit, you know. But Hobbs is young. He that's not a call he can make. You know. But uh, yeah, but I still think it's fine. Whatever. Uh, I th- my thinking is that Wardlow wins, Hobbs cashes in, and Hobbs takes the title. That's what I think, I think is going to happen. I think Samoa Joe's retaining. Cool. I I, I love Samoa Joe. But <laughs> Joe's got two titles. So <laughs> okay. So the next match is a four way tag team match for a AW World Tag Team Championship. Now this is the fucking freak show match. How it got there? Well, we got the guns and the acclaimed at first. Right. And then Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett won a battle royal. Right. And then for some reason, Orange Cassidy and Dan Housen won another battle royal. Couldn't have thought of something else to get to this point. Well, you know, the thing is what uh was supposed to happen, it was supposed to be the best friends, but they are not medically cleared. So it would have okay, been the I best friends. Know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What happened was uh best friends were supposed to play, I think last week or the week before. Uh, something I don't know exactly. I don't know what happened, but the idea was that we're supposed to be the best friends. Uh, and then they, but so then Dan House basically their spot is, is being taken by by Dan Housen and Orange Cassidy. So uh, which is fine. I this think it's is, a good. This is the comedy match. This is the fucking where and where woohoo in a circus match. Ugh. You know, I, I it's wrestling. I I've, I've never had problems with this, and uh, I'm cool with whatever happens. I don't. I this is the match. I don't know what I think is going to happen. And I am probably going to be wrong, but I, I think the guns are going to retain. And what happens? FTR comes back, and then they take the titles from the guns. That's what I think is happening. But I could be wrong. And FTR can end up leaving and go back to WWE or whatever bullshit they say online. I don't care. But um, my thing is that um, I think it's a good way to get these guys on TV first out. Like I'll tell them many times over, Danhausen is over. As fuck. He doesn't even have to do nothing and people love him. And that's good. You need a guy that you don't have to worry about always having to win and be over. That's a good sign of a, a well-rounded a talent that you need on the show. He's a guy, if he shows up to a local show for the, like, let's say they do house shows, Dan Housen's on the card, the fans will be happy. Just like when Orange Cassidy shows up, people are very happy. So it's a well-rounded talent you can have where you don't want to put your bigger names on the show, like when a Moxley can't show up or a Dan Bryan doesn't show up. You know, uh, So having a young group of guys like, well, Orange Cassidy's not young. He's 38, but uh, newer, new, the, the homegrown. And I, I liked having them in this because it gives those guys that spot on the card they don't need to win the match, right? That's not why they're there. But they make the fans happy because the fans like them. So you need to have guys like that. You need to have – you can't have 100 Mizzes on a show. As as solid as a hand Miz is, no one's paying to see the Miz. So you need guys on a card that you could put anywhere. Like when we saw the show in August, right, it was a regular TV show. There wasn't a lot of uh, – there wasn't big names. Mox was there, but it wasn't like it was Jericho. Mox with the bigger names. The most of the card was filled with mid cards, right? Because it was just a regular sun summer show. But Orange Cassie came out. The crowd went excited. People went excited for Ruby Soho. So you know you have those people whose names and you know you know what I'm trying to say like they fill that yeah. spot. And I felt honestly the best friends would be a good spot because people love the best friends. Uh, but I feel that 
it's good for Dan Housen and Orange Cassidy because they are talents that sell a lot of merch. The fans love them, and they should be on the card somewhere without them effectively hurting their character. Now, like Orange and Dan Housen don't have to lose. You know, talk about placement on the card. This should go on before the main event. Well, this is definitely going to be well. I I'm surprised they don't. I feel they're either going to open the show with the House of Black match or not this match. This match should actually open the show. You know what I'm saying? It'll be a good mid-ground match to get people excited. But you want something when you usually have an opener. You want a hard-hitting opener for a pay-per-view. That's why I think the elite in the the House of Black. Think about it. If this Jungle um, Boy match with Kirsten Cage is not a pre-tape, then that should be before the main event. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because if it's a buried alive type of match, it may not even happen in the arena, right? Yeah, but if, if it doesn't happen in the arena, if it's a pre-tape, put it before the main event. Or it starts off in the ring, ends up backstage kind of a thing. Yeah, one of those kind of things. Maybe. You know who's really good at those matches? I feel Darby Allen has, in, in this company, has been really good at those matches. Uh, he did really good with the with 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 Taz's group back in the day. Him and Sting, they did a really good video package match. Uh, if that's the case, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, you're right about that. That'll probably be how the Christian Cage match would work. Uh, but this match, I feel, should be somewhere in the middle of the card. Yeah, you know, maybe it'll be at the, the two hour mark or right before the, not the before. I feel like you can't put the women's match. And then the main event match. I feel like that'd be too much at the end. Oh boy, I have a lot to say about this women's match. But before well, we do, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, Jeff, I'm, I'm going with Jared and Jay Lethal. All right, I I feel like the guns are going to retain. Uh, the storyline is there for that to be like a thing where it, you know, once again, the acclaims of the tag team that are so over titles don't matter to them. They got over without titles. So the guns need the belts because literally they're nothing without belts. So, yeah, I feel like that night when they went against Keith Lee and Swerve, that was the night they should have won the belts. Should have won. Should have won. 100%. Uh, But it didn't, but it happened eventually, which is fine. Uh, Yeah, it should have happened that night, but there was still a little bit more storyline to tell. Whatever, I don't care. But uh, I, I'm saying guns. You're saying Jay Lethal and uh, and and Jeff Jarrett. We have uh, Jamie Hader, Soraya, and Ruby Soho for the AEW Women's Championship. Boy, this feud is annoying me. It really is. Um, Soraya coming back for her first um title match in several years. That should have been a bigger story than what it is now literally she comes back from her injury and then three months later she turns heel why no explanation whatsoever horrible in the ring horrible whenever she looks like she's attacking someone or is attacking someone looks like she has no ring presence whatsoever like she did when she was in WWE. fucking horrible one of the worst signings AEW's done last year next to i'll tell tell you one thing is that uh we, I went back. I started looking at her matches when she was in WWE. You and mean we early? To, you mean early NXT or while she was on the main roster? Main roster call up. Okay. because uh, I was watching it just to look back because you know, it might misremember her being good. And then I went back and I watched. I go, oh no, she was okay. Problem is, there was so many really bad wrestlers around that time. That you only had like AJ Lee who was good and maybe one or two others that were decent. 
But most of the people she fought against were really bad. So her mediocre looked better. You know, it's like, it's like, oh man, that person is really attractive next to that really ugly person. Then you put a really, really hot person next to that kind. Oh, you're in the middle. So I feel like she's the, her wrestling style was that it's not what Jamie Hayter does. It's not what even Ruby Soho can do. I feel like they, those two are better than Soraya. Yeah, you were one of the originators that helped move that WWF movement. That's true. But Tony Storm is better. Jamie Hayes is better. Brick Baker has really shined. Yeah, you know, and- that was the point I was going to make. There's many others that came after her, whether if it's AW or WWE, that's yeah, better than better. she is. Dude, let's talk about the triad. Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, Sasha, Sasha Banks. Banks. Oh, and, and I'm sorry, the and, and Bailey, but uh, but the the triad, the three big ones first. That they run circles around what Soraya can do, and you know what they brought it back. But I thought the smartest move was that the crowd decided, nah, we're not feeling her, we're not feeling Soraya, especially as a face. Because let's be real, the minute she started saying stuff on the mic, people were like, "Fuck you." The yeah, fans cause... were like, "Fuck what you're saying," because you think you're that important. And then Britt Baker said, whatever you're saying does not apply here. And the crowd's like, well, yeah, no, she's fucking right. So instead of force feeding her as a face on us, which was smart, turn her heel. Because you know what? The crowd would not cheer for her. You know that. They were not going to cheer for her because she ran her mouth. Cool. What you do? You make her heel. Perfect. I like the adaptability of that because – she could have bitched about it and just said, no, I'm the face. It's like, well, no, bitch, you're not. <laughs> so right in now, the pro- so no. in the process of this, you turn Britt Baker face, knowing that you're going to turn Britt Baker Hill maybe three months from now. Yeah, but Britt Baker is the person that should do that. She's, this, does, she's, this does nothing for this whole fucking feud, man. <laughs> no, I mean, at the end of the day, is they had to call an audible and make her bad. And I think that's fine. She had to be bad because no one was going to cheer Soraya. It's like, that's fine. You could be a heel. I think it's good. I just think that, you know, she's in the ring. These other women are so much more ferocious and so strong. I think it's embarrassing because me in a couple months, it was a couple months, uh, we were watching the Willow, uh, Ruby Soho, Willow versus uh, Anna Jay and Ty Mello. My daughter loved that fucking match. We had a good time. Great match. Bloody match, whatever. But that's okay because it was a real uh vicious match and everyone did a decent job in that very good uh my thing is that it's it's sad when fucking anna jay and ty mellow look more ferocious than soraya soraya what the fuck aren't you doing where's your where's your tenacity where's your anna jay that's the one they did that table spot with a few weeks ago right I th- was it anna jay or was it ty mellow I'm... anna jay i think it was anna jay was... you think you're right yeah yeah, yeah that, that made no sense either and no, and she has a bruised rib right now. So yeah, it made no sense. Did nothing for anybody. Well, first out, my daughter absolutely loved the four way match, the the two on two, the tag match with Willow and and Ruby versus the the Ty Mello and Anna Jay. Daughter loved the match. She was fully vested, fully cheering for Ruby, fully cheering for Willow. Felt the villains did the villain parts well. It got her invested. That's important. You got to get them invested. The crowd was great. People were into it. My thing is that when I watched. So my daughter watches Soraya. She's like, she, my daughter legitimately said, she sucks. 
<laughs> I'm like, are you saying that because she's a villain? She was like, no, Dad, look at her stupid punches. They look so bad. I'm like, and do you know she's a veteran? And Rebecca was like, what? I'm like, <laughs> yes, because my daughter has no idea who, who um, she is. She doesn't know yeah, who yeah. Paige is. She was when Paige was famous. My daughter was a baby. Let's be real. So, um, for her, she was like, she only knows Paige from the meme. Paige here, you know, everyone made the memes with her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, I had explained to my daughter, that's the same girl. She's like, that's the creepy face Paige here, lady. I'm like, that's her. That's her real name, Miss <laughs> Araya. She's like, oh, she sucks. No wonder why she hasn't been on TV in so many years. <laughs> it's not her fault. She didn't wait, she wait, till she, wait till she learns about Alberta Del dipshit. Well, I, I can hopefully if we can. Oh, if my daughter doesn't need, ever need to know who that guy is. The best. Oh, she'll she'll know. She'll know. Yeah, she probably does. She probably has. She probably because uh, she's seen him probably when I watched. But you, yeah, anyway, you don't you don't uh, know what she does at school, man. She knows. <laughs> yeah, she knows. But she like she was like she does not. She said that she just doesn't look as good as the other ones in the ring. And my daughter likes Ruby Soho a lot. She does like her, and she's like she loves the song. She loves the energy. She loves the style, the look of her, and um, so she's excited for two out of three people in that match. So to me, that makes me happy because we're watching the show and she's going to want to see it. Um, I do not think there is any way Jamie Hayter is losing the title. And she shouldn't have to. Uh, I just hope that Soraya eats the pin. That's what needs. The thing that needs to happen in this match beyond anything else. Soraya eats the pin. She needs to eat the pin because that will justify anything else in that match. It will justify the fact that any of this is happening because she needs to be the weak link because you know what? She is the weak link and and it's fine. You know what? Sometimes experiments do not pan out and some people think they're better than they are. And Soraya, unfortunately, because of her hype, when she was first a big deal, when they brought her up as Paige, she thought she was beyond everybody. Of course, she got injured. And of course, that's not, you don't ever want to see anyone get hurt, but also know who you are in that ring for real. Yep. Watch that tape. You know what? Britt Baker doesn't need to watch that tape. Soraya needs to sit back and watch the tape. Soraya has to readjust how she fights. I understand protecting your opponent, protecting your opponent and looking like garbage, two different things. I'm going with Jamie Hayter retaining. Absolutely, I got, I got nothing else on this. Nothing, just no other answer possible. And we have the main event: MJF versus Brian Danielson in a 16-minute Iron Man match. Few questions I'm um I got over my head. I'm thinking about this. One: Will MJF actually go through 60 minutes? I'm not talking about stalling in and out the ring for most or half of the time. Will he go this full 60 minutes? I uh, have watched MJF for a long time. I've been finding a lot. When, before he was in AEW, I saw a documentary about him. Uh, this guy, he makes... You've probably seen the documentary. Yeah, yeah. I saw it on Tubi TV. And I saw it on YouTube. And I was like watching it going, who is this kid? This fucking asshole. I saw seeing his matches and like... He, he had some basic matches when he first started. Then I started seeing some other matches. I'm like, oh, wow, this kid's actually pretty good. And what I love about what he does is that he's going to start off slow on purpose because he's going to say, you know, I don't have to do this. Brian Danielson wants to do that shit. He's going to fucking, they're going to, I, they're going to tear the house down. It's going to go full 60 minutes and it's going to, 
they need to legitimize MJF. What I mean by he's already legitimate, he's already a star, he's a, he's a great heel, he's a great talker. This match will show that he can also be a great wrestler. That 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 when people compare Brian Danielson to these types of matches, and I think it's going to be one of the least boring sixty men sixty minute matches because uh, I remember everyone talked about these sixty minute Ironman matches. Everyone talked all of it, and all I remember as a kid was going, "Man, people show the highlights of Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart sixty minute match. Did you guys really watch that full six? I was there. I, 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 I watched it. It was not." <laughs> It was like 25 strong minutes and like a little, it was like, you know, I mean, you got to pace yourself. Obviously it's 60 minutes, you know what I'm saying? But I feel like sometimes when they justify these 60 minute matches, they're not, they're not 60 minute matches. Like, you know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say Uh, that they're like, they're like, Oh, there's like 20. It's like you start strong, get weak, get strong, get weak, get strong at the end. Like you have to pace it. Right. But I feel with a guy like Brian Danielson, it can go 60 minutes straight. Uh, and what's really crazy is I saw, I know we always, you, we, a lot of people talk shit about him, but when he wasn't heavy, uh, Chris Hero had done a lot of 60 minute matches. Yeah, I did. I think he's he's got to be one of the guys who's done more of the most. And uh, I saw a couple um, last year or two during the pandemic when we had nothing but time on our hands and I was at work literally doing nothing. <laughs> I saw one, I was like, this fucking match. I forgot who we fought. I can't remember who he One fought. of them was Sam Punk. Yeah, Punk and him, but I this wasn't I don't think this was the punk one. And it was uh because I think Cole I was Cabana. Maybe maybe Cole, but it was a really strong 60-minute Iron Man match. It was fucking good. And I was like, they're doing this in front of like 150 people. I'm like, this is a really fucking good. This guy's good. It's sad. But um, but anyway, like it can be done, is what I'm trying to say. 60-minute matches, if the right people are invested in it, I think this match will be it. Uh, MJF returns. Retains, sorry. Or retains 100%. I think MJF is retaining too. I also believe that this will not not go overtime. No, it's straight 60 minutes is going to do that. Um, yeah, 100% agree with that. I feel like this is going to be a good, good match. I just, yeah. uh, I think uh, they're going to be, I think they're going to tell a really good story. You're going to see MGF's facial expressions. It's going to be so. It's going to be. It's. Let's put it this way. If the crowd feels like they're going to still get teated out, this match will bring the crowd in 100%. At least I hope. The last 10 minutes is going to break or break that match. You know what? You know what? With an Iron Man match, it kind of always does. You know, when it's so long of a match. The last ten minutes of a match. It's the same thing with, I'd say, with the battle with the Royal Rumble, right? It's that last five to ten minutes that the that really make or break a show. And because the only thing you could compare an Iron Man match to is is the Royal Rumble, right? Because it's one of the longer matches, and that, that's the only. And these are two guys. This is like there's thirty guys in that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and but that, like you said, the last ten minutes make or break that match. It's same thing with Royal Rumble. The same rules apply. That end of that matches, those two exact type feel matches can make or break a show. Can make or break their thing. And I do not think it will disappoint. Um because uh, Brian has been really good. And I feel like 
they're probably been working on this match for a while. Like together, they've been working out how this match is going to be. And I know that's going to be what what makes it. And I just don't know what the end is because it could literally be any type of way. It could be a submission. It could be whatever. It could be something unique or new. I do not think it will be a fuck finish. 100% not. Even with MJF as the heel that he is, they will not do the fuck finish. He might try to fuck around in the middle, right? Because that's MJF. I would. He has to. He's the he's the fucking dastardly douchebag heel. If he tries to use the diamond ring when the ref isn't looking, or that might happen in the middle, you know. But definitely at the end, it'll be just a straight hard fighting. This this leave it all in the ring moment. So much so that I don't think MJF will be able to stand up after the match is over. And after the pay-per-view, I believe there will be a W Media scrum. So let's well, there always there always is. Yeah, there always is. So. Let's see how much um questions Tony Khan will dodge this time. And let's see how much of these quote unquote biased journalists will be there. You know, I at the end of the day Sorry, it pisses me off whenever I, I see them because A, they don't ask the right questions. B, um, they have a recency bias of who they want to cover and what they do cover. So that's mm-hmm. completely fucking fluff, man. They should actually get real fucking journalists up there instead of dirt well, sheet it's writers. Wrestling. Well, unfortunately, it's with all due respect to this wrestling that we love, no quote unquote real journalists cover wrestling. Like legit, like the mainstream. No one gives a fuck. No one cares. They don't care. They don't care about us. They don't care. We are a niche community of a niche community, and and unfortunately, the the biggest ones in the niche community are are the dirt sheets. A lot of them are dirt sheets. Well, uh, had, it, well look at the Royal Rumble freaking media scrub. They had they had a few legit freaking outlets there. It's also on. Peacock. It's also a part of NBC. It's also a part of that whole thing. It's different. CBS has nothing to do with any of this. This has nothing to do. Look, Warner Brothers, with all due respect, is in a fucking disarray. Yeah, you know, we saw that whole shit show with um them and um Discovery as of recent. Look, the fuck that their biggest success is having a show that's so bad that no one likes it. Uh, Velma. <laughs> no one, nobody likes it. Nobody no, I, likes I, I don't like it either. There's not one. So, legitly, I've watched uh, LGBTQ reviewers. I've watched people who are just Scooby Doo reviewers. I've watched all spectrums, and they've all said this one exact thing Who is that show for? And That's you exactly find out, what I said when I saw that New York Comic Con. There is a terminology in the business that I didn't know about. And apparently it's fairly new, but it's not unknown. Uh, it's just stuff that I never... Because you know when you don't like something, you just don't watch it, right? It's a thing called hate views. And what that means <laughs> is that people hate the show so bad that they watch it to find out how much they hate it. And then when they talk about it, people who are like, is it really that bad? They turn into it. They hate it. They tell people they hate it. Velma was watched. Here's the best part. Velma was watched so much that they got greenlit for a second season for hate views. But here's the best part. 
their algorithm shows that no one's ever finished the whole series, but a few people. <laughs> like, how do you have a show greenlit that no one finished watching? <laughs> they can't see Dude, that it's, the, is it's, the, it's the Tony Khan logic. Um, did you, did you see a few days ago that they've said that they've? I think it wasn't Tony Khan. It was Warner Brothers Discovery that AEW averages four million viewers every single week. I'm over here like, by what metric? Because people are tuning it in by, for the first few minutes. That means nothing. Four million. That Tony, exactly I what know, I said. I know Tony Khan's never said that because Tony Khan. Will no, no, no. The, Warner uh... Brothers Discovery did. Why would they say that? I'm like, by what fucking metric? Yeah, what metric is it? Like, oh, you didn't hear about this, did you? No, no. I, I just oh my the show. god, I need to find. I need to find this and send it to the chat right now. <laughs> it's so funny because I'm like. We all know what the views are. The real views get posted on Thursday, and we know that like the highest they've gotten is like a million point five, one point five, not like four million. Shit, even WWE doesn't get four million. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Yo, okay, here, WWE here it is. on SmackDown doesn't get four million, and that's on channel fucking five. <laughs> here, here it is. I'm gonna read it to you. Okay. Um, from WrestleNomics, who um actually contacted Warner Brothers Discovery for clarification. So I read it oh, as okay, 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 okay. We asked Warner Brothers Discovery about the comment by executive Jason Salernius from Wednesday's press release announcing AEW All Access, where he said AEW's fan base brings in more than 4 million viewers to TBS every Wednesday night. The comment was surprising because AEW Dynamite's audience on TBS is commonly measured to be around one quarter of that number, averaging around 960,000 viewers, according to WrestleNomics data. We're told by Warner Brothers Discovery that the 4 million measurement refers to the number of viewers who watched at least one minute of TBS on Wednesday from 7 p.m. to 12 a.m., each week on average in 2022. Now, reading that, you question to yourself, what does that even mean? I mean, I don't understand that. I mean, like, because trust me, what, that was a number. What, where did this number come from? What was the metrics? I want to see all of this. Because, like, I thought they do on the quarter of the hour measurements. Not on the first minute measurements. Exactly. So you're saying the for first out, with all due respect, when the fuck does TBS get four million views ever on any of their shows? Even their basketball doesn't pull in those numbers. Get the fuck out! Oh of no, here. no, their basketball does pull in those numbers. Uh, I don't care. I turned that fucking shit off, so I guess I'm not that metric. But uh, <laughs> I mean, shit, like that's that sounds like. I mean, it's fluff, obviously, but. And, and I mean, it's plus about to fucking make that claim. I'm like, yeah, that's so suspect. He said something came off wrong, wherever. Yeah, they pull in almost a million, a million a week, which is weird, which which is it's, like I sell up to a million people right now. That's actually very good numbers in this day and age, especially with all the competition. For a, a network to get a million views on a show, that's that's that makes them happy. It, the difference is, is like, you know, uh, it's so funny when they would say these. I, I started looking up a whole thing about yo with the TV metrics, and all these shows claiming they had nine million views, and oh my god, Seinfeld had this many views, and this show had. And then I went back, and then you saw the breakdown. 
their claims were on certain episode numbers. But since the series is over, they said the show did that well. Uh, overall, most shows, even back in the day when cable was still cable, will pull will slowly pulling in 3.4, 2.4, no higher than five. And that was before the advent of what we have now. So a lot of these huge numbers that people claim are, are actually fabricated numbers because uh, then you have the breakdowns from Nielsen ratings and Nielsen ratings will show you that that's not true. Seinfeld's finale, yes. Cheers' finale, yes. Uh, but overall, the reason why Cheers went to their final season and Seinfeld went to their final season is because their numbers dropped. And granted, those numbers are probably still very good compared to today's numbers. Uh, they were not, 9 million people were not watching Seinfeld weekly. and 9 million people were not watching Friends weekly or Bill Cosby. Those are lies. Those numbers well, were those sizes. To be fair, Seinfeld was on a um, regular network. Cheers was on cable. No, no, Cheers was on network. They were on Channel 4. Oh, shit, they were. That's right, that's right. Yeah, dude, they they were on cable. But here's the thing. In the 80s, those numbers were bigger because there was no other choice. Yep. Right? There is So there are differences. The numbers progressively got lower in the 90s as cable television got bigger and reruns became a bigger deal. So. So syndication, of course, syndication is a big deal. That's where you make most of your money. Then in the 2000s, they got low. So the numbers were low, low, low. So as as when when you see those things about with WWCW and WWE were bragging about these huge numbers, so funny, go back and actually look at the Nielsen ratings. Those numbers that they, they both claimed that they had were half. I was so pissed because we were always understanding that these numbers were big. These numbers were huge. Dude, those, and then numbers, I looked, those numbers were huge. They weren't for, as for big re- as people. For wrestling at that time, okay. yes, they were huge. But they were claiming these numbers that were like I thought was Super Bowl numbers. They were not. Hold on, you look at the viewers or the rating, the the Nielsen ratings, the rating of the show, how many people tuned in to watch the program. Okay, the hourly breakdown, and it's so funny when the when uh, uh, Raw when they were winning the war. And WCW was losing, and WWE says we were the number one show on TV. No one could beat us. Unga bunga, unga bunga. I went back just recently. If you look through the, they, they had the breakdown of the years, and they had the breakdown of the hours. Shit, the schematics, how they say the second, the third, like how WC, how Raw now they say the third hour usually would get bad. They would teeter out, and the first hour would do good. So funny, nothing changed. Even when they had two hours, the first hour always did better than the second hour. Why do you think in when Vince did a lot of shit, they kept bringing Stone Cold back out? Because the first hour of Raw throughout the whole hot heyday was the bigger number than the second hour. Always. So that's never changed because why? People go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, the numbers go down. But they claimed that with these shows. The, 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 the idea was that the numbers were so big that Wrestling can never do that again. Yeah, no, no one's doing. TV's not doing huge numbers ever again across the board. Even regular shows just can't do that. But it's just so weird when they claim these numbers that were really high, and it was they were good numbers, but they were two point threes and three point in the nineties and the two thousands at the highest point. Talking about the rating, 
yeah, the ratings. That's their overall rating, how many people tuned in to the show. They WWF WWF Raw when they were winning the war on their weekly shows were putting two point seven and three point Let's translate translates to about five million viewers. I thought it was three million. I thought every one was a million. One point zero was like a million, two point zero was about roughly a million. No, the ratings always higher than the um the viewer. The viewers just always rounded out. Oh, because this person watched like, no, I didn't. Yeah, you did. We'll round you up. <laughs> okay, whatever. The idea is that, all right, so their ratings, they're, they're saying they're doing 2.3s weekly on SmackDown. Now, well, they were pulling 2.6s and 2.7s at the heyday on SmackDown when SmackDown first aired. So that's they stayed on par, which is not bad numbers overall because but it's don't, like... Don't forget, SmackDown has some transitional times during the late 2000s to 2010s, they went from well, network nine, TV to, to cable. Five, cable, five. but I was looking when they first, when they were on network. When they started, they were on nine, right? They were yes. on network TV. That's where I looked. I looked at when they aired. When they, I went on the, the the list and I looked at the time when they first started, because it's not fair to look sometime in the middle of the mid 2000s when it, it they the show gets complacent because there was no competition. Yep. I'll talk about back when SmackDown first aired when Raw. Was as heyday fighting against WCW. Those numbers were good, but they were in 2.3s, 3.0s, the highest. I remember Vince said we put a six point something. He said, "I'm like also Hulk Hogan, seven foot four. Fucking get Vince a John three sixteen shirt fast." <laughs> anyway, Hogan, whatever. Hogan talking about um, he has to look for toilet paper. I'm like, use your bandana, brother. Yeah. But the fact that he told me that Warner Brothers discovered like, yeah, we got a four million people. I'm like. Stop. Stop. Yeah, that was bullshit, man. I mean, All it right. sounds good. It sounds good for you, buddy, but I don't fucking believe you because even Tony, <laughs> even Tony Khan's like, what? What 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 numbers? <laughs> He's like, look at the paper. Dude, I got those numbers. I need those numbers. Where'd you pull those numbers from? For the first minute, and Tony Khan's like, dude, you're even stretching it, bro. I'm trying my best. I'm stretching this shit, but you're stretching. I'm telling you, the main good. event of double or nothing will be Tony Khan versus the cocaine bear. <laughs> I think Tony Khan. I think Tony Khan's got it, man. Tony uh, Khan's got it. Oh god, let's get the fuck out of here. Thank you so much for coming on, Rob. We'll be back to review this show, man, on um, next weekend. You think uh, we can grab somebody else on, like Drew Yari? You think, or we can get maybe Money Maker Chris or somebody like that? Yeah, like we could. I think we could. You could. Yeah, I'm I think, I think we should get one of those guys. Yeah, that'd be cool. All right, later, Robbie. Later, man.